I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. He was an industry guy with coding knowledge and experience who built what he wished existed for his own shop. Let's not forget about their customer service because it truly is second to none. They've invested in the people and the processes, ensuring that you receive top-notch service every step of the way. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating the need for third-party solutions. With Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments, enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture. And with customizable real-time reporting on the owner's dashboard, gain valuable insights into your business at a glance. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. So I guess we'll start out with it with an introduction. So with that being said, let's uh I guess I'll let you introduce yourself. I'm I'm pretty bad at the introduction, so no worries. Um my name is Dutch Silverstein. I own AM Auto Service here in Pineville, North Carolina. Uh, business owner, stuttered out part-time, went full-time 25 years. Uh, that's pretty much about it. Okay. Well, I'm honored to have you on. I've been following you on the Facebook group, and I read your article in the Ratchet and Wrench magazine. And I've, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, super cool. A lot of experience between your two ears there. And I'm, I'm just honored to have you on here <laughs> so I no, can, no worries. so I can put my probes in there and see, try to get any information that might be helpful to me or anybody else listening. So, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I think right now is trying to get most people to wrap their mind around how the industry has changed. And as it is changing, you know, for the good and for the bad. And I'm sure you've seen your fair share of changes oh, yeah. over the years. Yep. There is, uh, been, a great deal of growth. Um, there's been a great deal of opportunity for technicians. Um, and there's been a lot of growth for stuff I don't want to see. Yeah, that's fair. I remember, um, I had someone local here tell me one time he's, he's an older gentleman and he went through so many changes with the carburation to when they started doing fuel injection and how the vehicles are changing. And he said the one day that, the drum brakes went to disc. He was like, that was the day I almost quit. <laughs> the first time I saw disc brakes roll into the shop, I was like getting ready to roll my toolbox out. But come to find out, it's a lot easier to work on. <laughs> but yeah. It's like, it's just, a, it always stuck with me because it's, it is, it's like the next, you never know tomorrow, they're going to have something rolling out and it's going to roll into the shop and you have everything figured out. You think, you know, we all want to have things figured out. We want to be able to say, I know it all. I got it all figured out. And then all of a sudden the industry changes or vehicle changes. And it's like, now what do I do? I got to learn all over again. Yeah. Well, if, if you're in this business, you, you know, and, and you have to decide what your business is going to be M- much of the time, the most technically advanced shops, the ones that can, doesn't matter, bring it in, we can fix it are not the ones that are generating the most money. 
I mean, there's a reason that Firestone has as many stores as it does and Goodyear has as many stores as it does. And a lot of the, the franchises have as many stores as they do in the hundreds and thousands. And it's not because they're working with the latest uh, technology in order, and they are riding the cusp of that. What they're doing is they're focusing on making money. I'll remember many, many years ago um, when I attended a class and the instructor went around and he asked us, uh, what is it that you wanted to be? And I replied that I wanted to be the best. And he said, okay, fair enough. The best at what? How do you define it? Is the best as the guy who can fix anything that walks through the door or gets pushed through the door? Or is the best the guy that, that has six years in the business and he has three stores with a 20% pre-tax net operating profit or more, and now he's working on his fourth and fifth store? Which guy, how do you define the best? And that's something that, that a lot of uh, text that turn shop owners and a lot of shop owners struggle with because you want to be the best. All right. Well, you better have a clear idea of what the hell the best entails. Oh yeah. Because you, you're not going to tell me that any of the people that as good as they may be, that the corporate philosophy is of a, a mega store is going to encourage and develop the technician to the same degree that an independent uh, will that wants to or believes in training because it's it's not going to happen. The smaller mom and pops who want to see about ADOS training are going to invest in ADOS training, right? Okay, you're not going to see, you may see one corporate store do it where they have an ADOS center. We see this in body shops where the body shop itself doesn't have the ADOS equipment, but the body shop belongs to a group that has it and they ship that car to that ADOS center, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a multi-store operation. They've got 100 stores, et cetera. But they may only have 10 or 15 ADOS centers across the country. You're not going to see that, you, you know, the, the how many Firestones are you going to see doing ADOS work? How many of them are you going to see doing EPROM work? How many are you going to see doing, you know, yeah, any? Will, yeah, that work revolves around the technician, not around the business. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's like you have to have. And I, I totally uh, on that same page because when I started, I wanted to be the best transmission builder there was. You know, when I took over the shop and I was like moving forward, like I'm going to learn how to build the best transmissions out there. That was my and it's funny you said that because that's exactly what my thought process was. If I could build the best, I could be the best. And it's like, I had—I mean, I'm now learning that that's not <laughs> how no. you run a successful shop. You can't. And like you said with the ADAS, is like, so you're really, really good at EPROM, you know, and then so you're going to open a shop. But that means you're doing the work that the business is, needs to do to make income. That doesn't work. <laughs> you can't. And it sucks. I mean, it's sad because that's what we want to do. Is take, we want to fix stuff. And we and I mean, for me, it was moving from, you know, doing oil changes to the trans bench to like, oh, if I own this place, then I can, you know, I could build all the transmissions I want. It's all up to me. It's my discretion. Right. And it's like, and now I'm, I have, I don't think I've built a transmission in, in over a month because I just, that's not what I should be doing. <laughs> it's such a hard realization to a pill to swallow. Right. Like a, 
but I want to work on stuff. I want to fix things. And it's like, well, you need to fix the business. <laughs> well, see, the thing is that we have a hard time in the industry because we define success only in one capacity. All right. I want you to think about this. So we look at the guy who owns several stores, right? Several shops and, and he owns, and he's not in the business every day. He's not working in the business. He is, quote, the goal is to be working on the business, right? right he's developing right. different locations. He's He doesn't have to worry about the day-to-day operations. He has managers that do that. And he has district managers. He has people that are involved in keeping the business going. That's great. So we look at that guy with three to five to 10 or as many stores as he has and say, that guy's successful. He is successful because he has eight stores. Terrific. Now, what about the guy that for him, he's a single man operation and he wants to leave every day at four o'clock so that he can go fishing with his grandson. And he just works till 3.30 and he buttons everything up. At four o'clock, he leaves. By 4.15, 4.30, he's home and he's on the lake with his grandson where he's fishing off the pier. And he's doing exactly what he wants to do, precisely what makes him happy. He has no aspirations to be a multi-store owner. He has no aspirations to let others work. He enjoys working and he enjoys his time off. But if we look at that guy in the industry, the industry frowns upon that and says he's not successful. He bought himself a job. He didn't get himself a business. He's not a business owner. He yeah. bought himself a job. And that's absolutely unfair because it's not us for us to decide what makes somebody else successful. If this guy is happy doing that, let him do it. Yeah. And it's, it, it's the same as the whole school. I guess you call it a crisis now with everybody in student loan debt because they pushed going to college and getting a four-year degree so much of that was the only way that was the only way you're going to get a good job is if you go get a college degree and you got to get a job. And I feel like that's kind of the same mindset, right? Like, well, not everybody needs to go to school. There's plenty of successful people that run corporations without a college degree. But like you said, it's the same thing with the industry. Whereas, yeah, we all want to be multi-store owners, but do we, <laughs> does everybody start this and want to do that? I mean, I don't know. I've it's, it's tough. And it's like, is that something I want to aspire to be? I don't know. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't have the answer right now. I just want to, whatever my definition is successful right now is, is where I want to be. I haven't even thought about the next step after that. And I'm well, just barely getting to my goals this year. And I haven't even thought beyond that, you know, maybe that's short sighted on my part, but man, when you're in this, in this industry, there's so many the, the excuse the pun, but so many wrenches get thrown into the gears that it's like, it's so tough to just get to that step one. You know, some guys like, I just want one employee. That's my version of success. Well, I want to open a shop and have a technician, then I'll run the office. Okay. Well then what, you know, and you can constantly keep growing that, you know, dangling that carrot in front of yourself till you get to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. But like you said, is it, is the ultimate goal to have 10 shops? You know what? I mean, it's a great point. Like what, where, so when are you successful? When do you stop working (laughs) or not working, but when you stop achieving your next step, you know? Well, that's the thing is that as the industry progressed, right? Because, um, you know, I, that came up, I started with cars in the seventies, 
right? I mean, that's when you're talking about going from carburation to fuel injection and stuff. I mean, that's how I put myself through school um, was I didn't come from a family that could afford very much. My father didn't attend college and my mother was a teacher. You know, I mean, it's not like you're really rolling in the dough in that regard. So you had to do something. If I wanted wanted it, I had to work for it. So right. my old man told me, you know, my, that's it. You want something? Go out and get it. Go work for it. So when you when you think about it, coming up through that type of, of environment, guys that were business owners where the business model was that you had a service station typically two bays, and you had a wrecker, right? And you went and if there was a problem, you went and picked up the customer's car, you fixed it, you rebuilt the starter, you rebuilt the alternator. You didn't buy them that way. You rebuilt them on that. And that was a good living. I mean, guys were proud of doing that. And then this shift happened over the last like 10 or 15 years where that wasn't enough anymore. It wasn't enough that you retired as a guy working with his hands who may have a helper and stuff. It was, that guy was being frowned upon. He was looked down upon, right? That's what we were talking about before because he, it's it's not necessarily that he didn't own multi-stores, right? A number of stores. But he was married to that business. He was the business, right? Mm-hmm. And that is seen as a bad thing. Your plumber who comes to your house, typically, unless it's part of a larger organization, if he's an independent, he may have a son working for him or another family member or, or a helper, but he's married to the business. Do people look down on plumbers that way? What about painting contractors? Do people look down on them in the painting industry or in the plumbing industry for plumbers? Do, do they have the, the, the same degree of quote unquote shame because they're not doing more and the business depends on them? I mean, a lot of what's going on in the industry is troubling to me because it's not honor based. A man who works And he is the business and he works for 35 years, right? And he may have a a helper. And if he's not there, he doesn't earn money, right? But if he's honorable and he's doing good work and his customers are happy, who the hell are you or I to tell him he's not successful? Who are are we to look down our nose and say, that guy's, he bought himself a job. (laughs) He's not a business owner. He bought himself a job. Right. The hell's the difference to you? You know, we we see a lot of this going on now with coaching. We're yeah, yeah. I think I mean obviously the the bigger numbers means they can you know spend more on programming and programs and shop systems and and whatnot. And if you're a one man show, you can write everything out on carbon paper and you know do cash only. And I mean honestly, there's definitely been a few times, you know, fairly recently in these in the years that I've proceed it's like i should just do what those guys do <laughs> cash only just me and one other guy you know and it's mm-hmm. you start looking at your your margins is like if you can't get up to 20 percent net man you're not it's not worth it it's just not you do a say a hundred thousand in a month it's like you better be pulling 20 percent net out of that otherwise it's just not worth the headaches that's a lot of cars that's a lot of responsibility that you just took on through your shop that 
now is on the road for the next three years that you have to stand behind. You know, if you're going to be any sort of reputable swap, you're going to have a two or three year warranty behind it. You better be pulling that kind of money in behind it. (laughs) And it's like, then you look at the other side of it. Well, you could do half of that and just do all cash, right? And just run yourself and pay your guy, you know, your, your one technician. I mean, it's, it's really tough in the beginning to not get pulled back to that direction. And I guess kind of against what you're bringing up. It's like, I've looked at that as like, that looks a lot better to me than going the corporate America way. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, and I had no shame thinking about it. It's like, I, we, we should just go, pull back. I'll just build a shop out back of my house and I'll just do, <laughs> you know, have a client base of 15 people. And, and if it's all cash, then we'll just do it. You know, I mean, there's that two different ways to go. And I think, it's a great point to say, what, what is that version of success? Well, I want freedom. That's the, that's the bottom line. I want to be able to get the cars, work on the cars that I want to work on. I want to make the money that I think I deserve working on these vehicles and then be able to take a weekend off or take a Friday off, you know, just freedom. Well, you, you don't have to, to have, first of all, you understand that the 20% figure that's bandied about is completely arbitrary. It's not based on anything. I, you, you know, and you hear it. Oh well, you have to have twenty yeah, percent. Yeah. Really, really. So it's if I have, so, yeah, something someone's just told me, and that's right. So if I have twenty percent, right? if I have twenty percent uh, pre-tax net operating profit for the month, that's great. I'm um, I'm doing well. But if I have seventeen point eight, am I lousy at it? What happens if I have fifteen? What yeah. happens if I have twelve? But the reason I have twelve is because I give stuff to my techs and my. Uh, my my techs that I'm currently working with, right? If you have a, a few techs, mm-hmm. you, you're buying them toolboxes and you're helping them pay for vacations. And when, if there's an unexpected expense, they find cash in an envelope in, in their toolbox. And what happens if you wind up doing things for them that others don't consider to be important, but you're trying to build a family culture. So when you, you take, what happens if you spend, you know, you shut uh, um, down for a week, to go to training. And during that week, you have no revenue coming in and you still pay their full salary and you still pay for their accommodations and you still pay for all of that sort of stuff. And and at the end of the month or the end of the year, you don't have 20%. You got 14%. Are you a failure? Well, I think it's, I think it's month to month. I mean, for me, I'd look at it as if you're not making that 20% net, there's no way you're going to have the money to do those things. So I guess, I've always looked at it as as kind of a good figure because like yeah that that puts some cushion in in into the the account gives you a little bit of spending to actually do those types of things but at the end of the year yeah if you're coming at ten percent but you've been able to do all those other activities you were mentioning I mean I, I feel like that's a win but yeah I mean where's the hard line is it nineteen point five and now you're failing like nineteen <laughs> right so what happens when you know and you see guys that that have multi store operations. And they're quoting numbers that are in the 30s. They've got 30% pre-tax in operating profit. Once you get to a certain size, maintaining 20% and going beyond that's very, very easy, especially if you if you pay on flat rate. It's yeah. very, very easy when, when that happens. All right, you have to have, because you're getting to the point where you've paid off your overhead pretty quickly in the month, and now the remaining time in the month is used um, to bank profit. Right. I mean, that's that's what happens when you get to be a specific size, unless, of course, you completely manage it. But, um, yeah, so, you know, you you see a lot of of shop owners that are multi-store owners that are saying, you know, I've I've got 32 and 33 percent. 
Well, yeah, because they have so a lot of bays, a lot of locations. They've got a lot of employees. They typically pay most of them on flat rate. They churn and burn, and they can get 30%. But it always cracked me up when someone says 20%. Okay, that's great. Based exactly on what? Where is, I can show you the numbers. We can do, I'm a numbers guy. So let's go through the numbers, and I want you to tell me precisely how you arrived at 20%, not 21, not 19, 20. Because pretty much, I think you pulled it out of your ass, not you personally, but somebody just said, right. some coach somewhere said. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that it, seems, like it's a, that 20, seems like a nice round number. That seems yeah. like a nice, because when you think about it, well, if uh, if um, if I invested the same amount of money in the stock market in an index fund, I would have gotten 10% or more. So mm-hmm. 10% percent has got to be the baseline. And there's a whole bunch of rationale that you can do, but obviously none of it means anything. It's the, it is the amount of money that you're able to put back at the end of the year sufficient for you to achieve your goals? Good point. Yeah. Right. If your goal is to build your empire, then you're going to want your pre-tax net operating profit to be as large as possible when you go to the financial institution and you want to borrow money, right? Right. Okay, because they're going to say based on a million dollars worth of sales with you earning a salary of $100,000 a year, you were able to put back $200,000 pre-tax net operating profit. Okay, and that represents a decent risk for them, depending on what your balance sheet looks like, right? I mean, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Now, let's say you hate the government (laughs) and you hate paying taxes. So what you're going to do is you are going to, to avail yourself of every legal recourse you have to reduce your tax liability. Right. You're going to have your kids work on your advertising, right? They're going to, you're going to send out whatever promotional materials and you're going to have your pictures, kids on it. So you can write that off up to twelve, $12,000, I think is the last per child, depending um, if they're less than 18. I have to double check that. Um, yeah, they can't be adults. So you avail yourself of, of any, your, um, you go to the gym. If you go to the gym, that's part of your healthcare package, right? Everything that you can write off with pre-tax dollars, you're going to write off. But the problem is at the end of the year, you may just break even or have a 2% pre-tax net operating profit. But you got more cash in the bank. But you got a lot more stuff that you're able to do. And that's the reason why typically when a guy goes who's my age, who goes to to sell, and he's been taking... um, the gym membership off as part of his health program. And he's, and he's been, he has his 69 Camaro that he has um, lettered up with the garage name on it. Then, and you know, his advertising has all these expenses that he attributes for his toys and the things that he wants to personally buy with pre-tax money. They have to engage in what's called recast financials. They have to take the financials out and go, okay, look, um, you're not going to be, you know, he's got five loaner cars. You're not going to need five. And, you know, two of them, one's a Trans Am, the other one's a Camaro. He's got a boat. 
that's advertised. He's right. He's, he's, he's taking. A, a, he's, they call it a vehicle maneuvering device. Right. That's the, you be, know, the best term of a golf cart I've ever heard. A vehicle <laughs> maneuverability device. Right. You know, he's he's doing everything <laughs> he can. Well, so in recast financial, somebody goes through and says, "We're pulling this out. We're pulling this out. We're pulling this out," because the, the amount that he wants to sell it for is going to depend on a multiplier of his pre-tax net operating profit. So typically, what happens is that. Um, a guy wants to sell him three years prior to him selling. He divests himself, if he's smart, of any and all things like this. He, you know, he gets rid of it all and he runs a really, really austere, he doesn't buy spit and he runs a really, really austere, lean operation so that he can maximize his pre tax net operating profit. When you do that, the guy who's working for himself, if he goes to sell it, his multiplier isn't going to be that much because the, he is the business. The guy that owns the shop that has a manager, three techs, four techs, a service writer that can run without him, now he can get three to five times his pre-tax and operating profit because the person who buys it can buy it as an investment where it doesn't require that he work it, right? That's what, what you're thinking about. Right. But if you don't care about that, if you're like, hey, it doesn't matter to me. I've been able to sock the money back. It's been cash. I've been able to put yeah. money back. I've got the, you know, I bought the building because of, of where it is. Everything is cool. I'm just going to, I don't care about the business. I'm just going to sell the property or I don't, you know, I've done what I wanted to do. I've lived my life the way I wanted to, to, to live it. I'm fine with it. Well, that guy's a failure according to the coaches. Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> I mean, does it matter what someone else thinks of you anyway? I mean, I think most of us in this industry, I mean, yeah, I, I would say most of us don't care, but then again, we get a one-star Google review and everybody seems to lose their mind about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's ex exactly right. Just looking for someone else to validate what you're doing is the right thing. Like, is, if you think you're doing the right thing, then I think you're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. But I mean, to your point, yeah, that's the problem with P&Ls. And then obviously having the exit strategy set up to know what you're going to do. And then what's your goal? Is that you want to build a business and sell it? You know, but I think starting out as a technician turned shop owner, you just want to be the best. You want to fix all the cars and you want to fix all the problems that no one else can fix, you know? And you're like, that's what my shop's going to be. My shop's going to be the go-to garage that everybody can bring their cars and get anything they want fixed. Cause I'm going to be the best, but you can only do one car at a time. Well, the how, thing is, how, how do you get your technicians to do what you do? Cause they don't have that same passion for your business that you do unfortunately it's just how it is they have passion for the career for the industry but they're never going to have that passion for your shop or you know whatever shop they work at no it's, it's typically a unicorn that's going to do that but you see there's a book and i'm sure you probably read it the e-myth by michael gerber yeah all right um which goes through the technician mind the revised one but i, I read the original a long time ago yeah but there's e-myth revisited i would suggest that you read it. I think I got it over here somewhere um, or over on the other. Yeah, there it is on the other side. Um, you should revisit it yourself. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, you have to understand that most businesses that deal in volume are at best mediocre. I want you to think, and here's in a classic example. All right. Here's a couple of them. I want you to think 
of the best hamburger you ever ate in your entire life, the most flavorful, the one that you crave, that if you're ever in this city or this location or this town that you had it before, every time you go by, you have to get that hamburger, right? Okay. Ask yourself, is that with a franchise or is that a mom and pop? Nine times out of 10, it's a mom and pop, a small place that makes that hamburger. It's not McDonald's. McDonald's sells mediocre burgers. Now, you can like the fries if you want, but you're not going to McDonald's and saying, my God, that's the best, juiciest, wonderful hamburger I've ever had in my entire life. Because it's mediocre, but it's standardized and it can be replicated. That's what happens in our industry with franchised auto care and larger box stores. It's not because they, again, represent the the forefront of technology. It's mediocre and it's repeatable. That's what does it. You aren't going to tell me that the best Italian food you've ever eaten in your entire life comes from Olive Garden. If you know anything about Italian food. it's the cheapest. (laughs) If you know anything about Italian. And you don't leave hungry. (laughs) Yeah, you don't leave hungry. Um, If you know anything about Italian food, it's crap. Yeah. Right. It, yep. It's absolute crap. But same, how many with, McDon- sa- same with McDonald's. I mean, right. yeah. It's uh, how many <laughs> how many stores do they have? And and the mom and pop that that, that serves the the food that you love, that you dearly love. How many do they have? Because you can't replicate that degree of um, passion, as you described it that the technician who owns the shop is going to have with employees. So now what happens is you're settling for mediocrity, but mediocrity is repeatable. You know, I mean, that's all you want to go out on a Friday night. You want to, it's, you go to, to Olive Garden. It's not horrible. It's not the worst thing you ever ate. Right. You like the breadsticks. Well, you know, you know what you're going to get too. You know exactly what you're going to get. It's yeah. To the flip side of that coin, it's like, at least, you know, that you go to a city you've never been before. You see all these podunk looking restaurants and you see Mm -hmm. a McDonald's. I got a big meeting in the morning and I'm not really going to risk it at these other places. I'm just going to go to McDonald's. I'm probably not going to get sick. (laughs) It's probably going (laughs) to feed me, you know? Yeah. And and it's like, I know what I'm going to get. It's like, so, I mean, I guess to say meteorocracy, to be mediocre is a bad thing. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing either. Um, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, and the correlations between like say doctors and dentists and auto shops and like the food industry and auto shops, it's really hard for me to, to really grasp that because there's so much, they're just two totally different industries, you know? And the correlation between say like a dentist office and an auto shop, it's very similar but they're providing a totally different service because every waiter is waiting. <laughs> you're, you're working on the customer is also the product that you're delivering versus we have a client that can deliver the drop the vehicle off and then they walk away and we can be alone with the vehicle to fix it. You know, I'm sure Dennis would love to be able to not have to have the client in the operating room while they're doing the work that they're doing. So I don't know. I mean, I I understand the correlations, but it's really difficult too, because in the food industry as well, there's just so many shades of of gray that's thrown in, you know, to say like, if we could provide 
a McDonald's hamburger out of an auto shop, we'd all be, you know, billionaires. But I, I just don't see how we could ever standardize the auto repair process to that degree. Obviously, maybe there is. I'm obviously. Why? We did it at the airline. Enough. We did it at the airline. I mean, that's what you yeah. have. With, okay. With, yeah. When you said um, that there's there's certainly some dissimilarity, you're cr- absolutely correct, between the dentist and the auto shop, right? Because at the dentist, everybody's a waiter. You're, you're exactly right. But if you Google, and you can do this after the, the podcast, Reader's Digest did uh, a story years ago, and I don't have the link on this computer, it's on the other one, where dentists were upselling things that people didn't need. What they had done is, you know, I'm sure you've seen the 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 expose of the rapid oil change place where they bring the car to a local community college or expert who goes through the car and says, okay, this car is in great shape, doesn't need anything. Then they bring it to a rapid oil change facility where they said, well, you need a transmission fluid flush. You need this and this and you this. You need and everything, this. yeah. Yeah, you need, you need everything, right? I think it was on 20 minutes or something like that. I think I remember watching that. You know, um, well, they did the same thing with dentists. They, they took people and they went to a college of dentistry, a, a pronounced, yeah, a very, very uh, reputable and they had someone go through a professor of dentistry and said, this person doesn't need anything. And then they went around to various dentists and they was told what it was that they were needed. So upselling exists in dentistry, just like it does. in Yeah, it probably correlates to pretty much any industry that they could sell add ons to. Right. I mean, when have you not bought something and say you go to Home Depot, do you want the extended protection protection plan on your milwaukee drill or whatever you're buying and it's an extra 12 bucks it's like everywhere you go there's always some sort of up selling you know to an extent but i mean i know with the dentist every time i go there they tell me i got some sort of cavity like well nothing hurts so i'd like to just not be in (laughs) this chair anymore (laughs) i'll wait till i'll wait till it hurts i mean i'm I'm probably the worst type of client but (laughs) you know (laughs) i'll wait till the wheel falls off i know you're telling me it's bad right now but i'll just wait i mean (laughs) Well, the the thing is that it, it's a violation of sacred trust. You know that. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, you don't recommend something at my shop, and the dentist doesn't recommend anything if if he's honorable that isn't needed. He can bring something to your attention, but right. it doesn't. If it's not needed, if it's not a health issue, if it's not going to cause you distress, it's not recommended because he or she has an arbitrary sales goal for the end of the day. Yeah. I have to sell three crowns, two bridges, fill three cavities, yeah. you know, and six cleanings for the day. And if I don't do and I'm going to have a whiteboard, I'm going to put Dr. Smith on the whiteboard and Dr. Jones and Dr. Brown on the whiteboard. And I'm going to see who's done more crowns, who's done more bridges for the day. And you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because yeah, it, I mean it's it's definitely sickening when you think of it like that and that and <laughs> that and, and that yeah. that is pervasive in our industry. Yeah, that is when you foster a competition between people whose primary job is to provide a service that people can depend on uh, related to safety. Then once you do that, that once that becomes secondary. When service becomes secondary and profit becomes first, there's a problem. Yeah. You know, and we see that in the industry. And that's the direction that a lot of coaching, 
a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches that are getting a lot of traction in the industry. There are a few of them that they put, if you think about um, your business and it's concentric circles like um, a bullseye, if what's in the center of the bullseye, if the bullseye, if in the very center of that is the word profit, and then outside comes service, et cetera, then you have a problem in my estimation, because the center of the bullseye should be service. If you provide the service, the profit will follow. But if your goal is to provide the profit first, and that will naturally mean that service will will follow, you have an issue. You have an issue of honor, of integrity. But the industry is going that way. And this... There was always shady characters when I was growing up. Guys would do stupid crap because they were greedy, right? I mean, always, always, always. There's always somebody. Yeah. It 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 doesn't matter what happens. But I haven't seen it being incentivized as much as it is now because the cost of owning that garage, of providing that service, is so high. I mean. I remember the guy that I worked for at the Shell station when I was in high school. He didn't have nearly the expenses, right? There wasn't Identifix. There wasn't subscriptions he had to pay for with the manufacturer. There wasn't. I, it, you just keep on and on and on and on and on with the you expenses. Just, you just pay rent, walk in, pay your light bill and water bill and maybe, and, some, and, maybe some insurance. Depending on what month it was, <laughs> you you know, in and out, and there wasn't computer updates. There were, you know, there were no computers. Everything was writ- handwritten, right? There wasn't a lot of stuff that D- dug a pit out back with some rocks to drain your oil out. Yeah, there was old stuff. <laughs> that was the matter. You couldn't find the sewer when you were, you know. I mean, that was, you know, there was a lot of stuff that. Yeah, I'm not saying it was perfect. It wasn't. There was a lot of shady stuff that was going on especially when it comes to pollutants or any of that but but yeah to, to your point it was definitely a different a different time as far as i mean and then now you look at with social media and 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 yelp and google reviews mm-hmm. it almost seems impossible to get away with that kind of stuff so i think maybe a lot of that's maybe coasted into the back seat and a lot of kind of like why wow, people can, don't know spit yeah, and I mean, I I think about that too, and it's like, why wouldn't they be able to get away with it? You That's know? right. And it's what? like, and I've I've had that realization too. Is like, I just assumed with all the media, this and and everything, you know, social media and the Google reviews, like, there's no way anybody could get away with that stuff now. But then you realize, like, well, we're we are very educated in what we do, but the clients that are being served, they're expected to be advised by us. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, yeah, like you said, they they don't know, and so why wouldn't they be able to get ripped off or 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 taken advantage of, you know? But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, everybody knows as much as I know, so there's no way I can get away with it. No, no, <laughs> I don't know if that's like a like a, like a level of integrity or something, but I just assume that they know everything I know, and so there's it's not even you can't even go down that path because they're just gonna blow you up on Google or Yelp or it's like I'm not even gonna go down that road, you know? You can't. Well, and the thing we, is that yeah. that they think they know. Some some of them think they know because they can hit YouTube what it is you know. But 
Yeah. Somebody who's on the internet who spends time watching YouTube videos is never going to have the breadth of or the depth of knowledge and experience that somebody day, who's yeah, doing it day in and day out. Do, doing yeah, it normal. day in and day out. It's, it, yeah. it's just not going to happen. And those people who are like, well, I saw you, you know, that, that that's fine. You need to be somewhere that's- else. Right. Yeah. Because you're you're going to be causing me problems because you, you think, you know, some when you don't know spit. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's 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 like the, the whether you liked it or not, there was the, the series that, which was on for many years overhauling. Right. Where right. They, they would bring a car in and it would seem like in a week they would have a car painted and the engine changed and all this oh, sort of stuff. Yeah. So when you wanted to bring your car in, there were people who said, I, I don't understand several of my friends own body shops what do you mean you're going to have the car for two months? Well, yeah, we're going to have to, well, they did it in a week on TV. You know, I mean, this people, this is something that people genuinely think oh, about. Still, still to this day, there's plenty of st- still those shark uh, shows going on, you know, yep. all over the, and I get this, I do a lot of classic car work and I would, st- I don't use restoration cause I don't restore them. We do mm-hmm. modern upgrades, right? And I, I run into the same stuff, you know, and it's like, oh, I saw, I want to do this, this, and this. Oh, well, hold on a second here. This is like, <laughs> this yeah. is the whole thing. And that's not what we do here. Oh, it looks so easy. Like I said, it looks so easy on the, on the television. It's like, okay, well go find the guys on the TV and have them do it for you. You know, like, oh, they're not so easy to get a hold of. Right. <laughs> Cause they're extremely talented at what they do and they get paid to make a TV show. Yeah. This is not about actually making a car brand new in two weeks. Yeah, they don't, you know, people think that they they know at times more than they do, but it's easier now to deceive people than really it has been for a really long time. That's an interesting point. That's interesting. Because with all the the changes in technology that are occurring, people aren't keeping up with it. You know, you have a difficult time if, if you said to the person off the street, Okay, you've got your 2023 thus and so that you bought, and it stand, has comes with ADOS. Can you tell me what ADOS stands for? Now you're not asking him how the system works. You're not asking him anything except tell your vehicle has ADOS. What does ADOS mean? I think you could ask that question to a lot of technicians out there and get the same <laughs> blanks there, right? Right. All right. So, but let's say you, you okay. So basically, they're not going to know. So you could tell them anything in the world that seems plausible okay. and they'll go along with it. Yeah. If they trust you, right. Or if they've read good things about you on Google or whatever. Um, and you say that, you know, that's not how this, let's talk about the system. Let's see how it works. This is what I need to do in order to fix it. They're just going to go along with it. The odds that they're going to stop what they're doing and saying, okay, so what did you tell me it needs? All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, see if I can buy a subscription. I'm going to get on a a manufacturer's website or I'm going to go on some forums and I'm going to see what I can do. They're not going to, they might go on the internet to try to find stuff out, which always cracks me up, but nobody is using service information. They're not going to pay for service information. To They don't even know that the service information is there unless they went into an auto parts store and they saw all data, buy it for your car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have no idea. The fact is that the more technologically advanced this stuff comes, it's easier to bamboozle them. 
That's, That's the, a fair point. Yeah. Because they have no idea, you know, and the smarter they are, the easier it is for, to fool them. Um, yeah. Many, many years ago when I was a, a, a kid, I used to do magic um, for kids parties and, and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things that we were always taught when we were going through this and, you know, you had books, I know it was things that you actually read, you know, and then you'd go to conventions and, and things was that the easiest people to fool were scientists and the highly educated. They were the easiest people to fool. And it wound up being true. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, it's like with DVIs, people say, well, DVI allows you, you can't get away with anything. Really? Are you sure? So how do I know when I'm the customer and I'm receiving a DVI report that that's on my car? You know, that's something I've always thought about too, from day one, like right? the very first thought I had, how do they know what the underside of their car looks like? Yeah, I mean, you know? they, they have no idea. Right. I mean, obviously they got to trust you, the shop they're going to and whatnot, but they go somewhere that's maybe not so trustworthy and they just have um, a nice little folder in their computer of, of a leaking whatever, a broken mm -hmm. whatnot, uh, and they just send that over. Hey, this is bad and this is bad. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you'll never argue that because you saw the video, you saw the picture, you know, and it would take a trained technician, a veteran technician to be able to look at that video and say, hey, wait a second, that's not a... Chevy Silverado. That's not a Ford F-150. You know, uh, that's not a Honda Accord. Uh, but for the most part, it, it's pretty difficult to tell the underneath of a vehicle, especially truck to truck. Obviously, front wheel drive is one thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's like the point is you, you get a video and you just automatically assume that's where it's coming from. But that's where that uh, that magic trick comes in, I guess. <laughs> Well, we, we used to, you know, I don't have DVI at my shop. We can talk about that the other time. I mean, I will eventually, but I haven't, I've resisted it um, for what so I So you, 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 you've stayed away from it by choice. Yeah, I, I stayed away from, we have 30 point courtesy inspections, you know, the okay. red, yellow, green. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I'm a very loyal individual and I have a shop management system that I've had for going on the last like 20 years. Okay. And, um, its replacement is here and I have to switch to it. All right. And then I'm going to see if I like that. And then I'm going to, if I don't like it, um, I operate Napa tracks. Okay. So this was Napa tracks legacy. Then they have Napa tracks enterprise, which is the next iteration that of the, uh, shop management software. Okay. Thing is when you go and some of the software, for DVI is included with the shop management system, but oftentimes it's uh, an additional monthly expense, right? Depending on where you you get it from. So before I wind up getting DVI, I've got to, and they've sunsetted. Unfortunately, the the tracks legacy that I have. This is like the last month that they're willing to support it. So I'm online. We'll get the starting next month. I'll get the. Uh, enterprise. I'll test that out, see how I like it for a couple months. If I don't, I'll go to shopware. And then at that point, when I find the system that I like, then I'll invest in, in, in DVI. Um, and the only reason that I'm going to DVI, the only reason that I'm going to do it is because my customer base, which is three generations thick, a lot of the people that would just toss me the keys and say, fix it Dutch, because they've known me for 25 years are dying. 
You know, they're moving away. They're going to retirement homes. Their kids still bring me the stuff because they're in their 40s, right? But the grandkids, they don't want to talk to anybody on the damn phone. They want to get a text, Yeah. right? They want to get a text and they, they, you know, like one one Chinese restaurant, one from column A, two from column B, and they bing, 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 this is what they want. And they don't want to talk to anybody. They want to pay. They don't want to do any of that sort of stuff. They want to see the pictures. They want to see the videos. They want to see the little number, how much. And then they say, yes. Yes. And then when do I pick my car up? (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and that's, they don't, they don't want to do any. I mean, when you're sitting in a restaurant and there are five of them sitting around the table and they're texting one another. (laughs) <laughs> they're not texting, you know, some, they're texting, it's like, put your phone down, you know, Myrtle's right across from me. Why don't you talk to her? You know, they're, they're, you know I mean, why do you have to text her or group text? And I've seen it where the, the, they're doing this and then like four of them will laugh in unison. So they're obviously receiving the same <laughs> damn thing. You know, they, and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, What? I, 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 I loathe that I'm part of that generation, but I am, I can't, yeah. I can't. And it's funny that you say that. Cause I've, I've not had the generation prior to where they want the phone calls. I feel like I have that soul though, where I want to pick up the phone and call somebody, but my whole business, my whole shop has been based around making it text friendly, making it email friendly, sending the pictures, not making a lot of phone. Our phones are on silent in the shop we don't have a phone that rings it's just on silent that's wow. how our that's how our shop phones are set wow. up a majority of our conversation goes through the and the computer gets a little pop-up and that's how we know we got a text or an email right and that's how we do a lot of our conversations with with our clients of course the phone lights up and it's sitting right there on the desk so we can see it right away uh but for yeah we don't hear a, a ringing phone i haven't had a ringing phone for three years i don't <laughs> like, oh my god i don't know what yeah. the hell we'll get. if the phone doesn't ring every few minutes in my shop i'm picking it up I, hell i remembered to, i paid the bill did something happen where i'm not i mean well th- th- there, there's people calling but i would I, there's no noise coming out of it because it's not like that's we're always doing a lot of communication with the clients that are here through the computer through the text line right if the phone is actively ringing we better pick it up and and do it but i guess my point is is like that transition where you'd walk into an old tire shop and the and the phone line was rigged into a little fire bell Mm -hmm. right i'm sure you heard that it's like what is that oh that's my phone oh that's terrible (laughs) it goes (laughs) off all day like that and but that was the way only that was the only form of communication so if that fire bell is going off you run in the office grab the phone because that's the only way you you know made profit yep. for the day or got, or got anybody into the door. So, but it's like, and I do my follow-up calls and, you know, we have all the setup, the automation, the follow-up emails, the follow-up texting. And, and, and we don't really get a lot of, you know, people texting back unless they're upset about something, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, we, we have the, um, somebody who drops something off, for example, we evaluate it. We call them with, with the estimate. Right. Then uh, and we leave a message or we speak to them at at that time. Um, with regard to in, when the vehicle is completed, we'll send we'll call them up and let them know the vehicle is completed and determine how it is that they want to pay for it. Are they going to be there before we close or after we close? And we have a night uh, pickup for them if they want to do it that way. And we take the payment. Insofar as the we do have thank you emails and or um, texts, you know. It's a please review us on Google. How did we do? It's that you know we, right. we do that yeah. kind of follow up crap. Yeah. Um, 
it, it just always struck me as being really, really peculiar, the juxtaposition between people yearning for a sense of community, which is what the younger generation has. They, they, they want the sense of community, right? They want to be known as something. But they don't do anything to in, in interpersonal relations to get it. You yeah. see that people are on their phone all the time because they yearn to be part of something. They, they don't want to be left out. They have to check and see what's going on. They have to look at the TikToks. They have, they have to, how many likes did they get? All of that sort of stuff is something they want to do, but they want to do it behind a wall as opposed to calling somebody on the phone. In, in my shop, when you come in for the first time, I ask that you're here 10 minutes to 15 minutes before your appointment. Because I'm going to sit down and I have what's called a quick intake form where I'm going to interview you. I'm going to kind of interrogate you about your car. My service uh, writer and my CSR do this. Tell me about this car. Do you own it outright or do you lease it? If you lease it, are you going to buy it at the end of the lease? Tell me how you feel about your car. Oh, I think of my car only as a means of conveyance. I love my car. I think uh, of my car as a member of the family. I have all these different things so that we can tailor their maintenance and repair plan to them so that they feel important, so that everybody doesn't get the same, well, you've got uh, 58,000 miles on it. Your 60,000-mile service has to do this and this and this. And then they come in the next week. Well, you got 64,000 miles on it. Uh, it's been 7,000 miles. So it looks like you're overdue for I mean, if you've ever been to the rapid oil change places, that's what they do. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you just had it done. They're going to tell you that you need to have it done again. Right. Right. You have to be able to have individualized attention. When somebody is sick, you send them cards or flowers or somebody dies you send them flowers you know i mean it's developing that interpersonal relationship but the younger generation clamors for it but yeah they but don't it's, so do hard, anything. it's so hard to, to get them into that they don't like you said they don't want it right unless it, it's tough like I said, there's a wall and you're trying to get through this wall with this what is it gen um are we at Gen uh, Z now or Gen Z, Y? I think, yeah, Whatever. Z, you know, I, I'm a boomer. I don't know. I mean, and then after <laughs> that came Gen X and after that I'm, I'm lost. And it's like, you know, basically if, if I couldn't kick you the hell out of the house and you didn't have to, you know, we got kicked out of the house. We got to come back when the street lights came on. There, there right. wasn't, you know, go ride your bike, do whatever the hell you want to do. Don't blow anybody up and don't shoot anybody. That was pretty much the way I grew up. Yeah. There, there, right. You know, you grew up in the Bronx. There was a certain amount of stuff you just didn't do. <laughs> and after the Bronx, you go up in here, you just didn't do it. And if you did it, somebody would ratch out, you know, I mean, so it wasn't, because, <laughs> you know, that that's just the way it was. But, um, yeah, to, I mean, to build that interpersonal relationship with that new generation that's on the phone all the time, it's like you, you assume the way to get with you know to get on their page is to text them to email them but it's just like a one and done thing they're just consumers and they're just going to the next and it's price shoppers and that's that's yep. what it's really tough is they don't want the relationship they just want this job done and they're just going to find the cheapest price right you got amazon you got ebay you got all these 
things where you could go into a store and you can jump on your phone and you can say, oh, I can just order this on Amazon. It's 10 bucks cheaper. And you walk out of the store, you don't buy anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the retail stores are closing down now. Everybody's shutting down. There's like, there's no more personal retail shops, you know, that you can go into where they knew you by your first name and they knew what you wanted, already had it in a basket ready to go. Like you're not going to have that anymore because they're just looking online and they're buying the stuff for 10, 15 bucks cheaper. And that's the similar way they're trying to take auto repair. And I'm sure a lot of other services, right? I mean, plumbing, whatever it is, Hey, I got this quote. How much can you do it for? Yeah. And then you try to tell them, well, well, look, this is the service I'm going to provide for you. Like, no, no, no. I just need this done. I just need these ball joints taken care of. Okay, well, let me explain to you why we're going to be a little bit more than anybody else. Like, no, no, how much? <laughs> See, I don't, I don't even get that far. When, when someone calls up and asks for a phone quote, we've got basically three ways to deal with it. Um, and it really depends on how they talk on the phone. You know, I need a quote for a, a, a this, ball joints for a set of this, that, and the other. Okay, great. Um, who am I speaking with? Great. Uh, quick question for you. Is getting the cheapest price the most important thing for you? And they're going to say yes or no. And if they say yes, I say thank you for the opportunity to be of service. We're not going to be the cheapest shop for you. Let me recommend one. Yeah. I, 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 just, I don't I have just time. Started, I just started using that last week. <laughs> you know, I'm, that's that's not my client because that's now. It's not that they don't want to spend money because – They'll spend they're just not money. Looking, they're just not looking for service. They're just looking for a cut and dry, whatever. I don't even know what, what the no. See, is, the, they're the, not looking the, for the service that you provide. They don't understand the value. Now, the yeah, same people that will yeah. tell you that um, they don't want the service, right? You know, I just want the price. Have no problem spending how much on an iPhone 15? How much on a pair of sneakers? How much on anything that they want, that they perceive to be status, they'll dole out that cash. So it's not a matter because in their eyes, those items have value. Well, the only way they're going to find out what the value is, is if somebody takes the time to educate them. So it really depends on how busy you are and what you want to do. So you ask right off the top, after you call me, are you going to be calling other shops to find the best price. And if they say yes, so you, then you give them an opportunity to say, okay, I appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. We're not going to be the shop for you. Or you could say, well, what are you looking for? The best price or the best value? And often when you say the best price or the best value, there's going to be a pause because nobody's ever asked them that before. They're, they're in the hunting mode. How much, how much, how much, how much, how much? Well, what's important to you? Best price or best value? You tell me what you want. I'll give you exactly what you want. You want the best price? Here's a guy to go to go do it. That's what you want. You want the yeah. best value? Talk to me. Yeah, then, we, then you can continue the conversation. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to invest more than 30 seconds. Right. right? I, I, I'm just not. The one, the one issue, I'm, uh, I don't know if I call it an issue, but one of the things I'm running into lately is obviously as we all, everything's getting more. So I'm in California. I mean, every day, everything goes up. So <laughs> making sure my techs get paid enough to pay their rent and their insurance mm-hmm. and whatnot. Obviously, prices are continually going up. So one of the things I run into is getting a, a preventative list, maintenance list set up, right? And we get everything kind of dialed in. This is the stuff your vehicle needs. You don't have to do it now. 
I don't expect you to do it now, but let's get this stuff knocked out first, right? And then just come back in three months, just come back in six months, right? We do that. Well, three months down the road, they come back in and they say, hey, so you said I need ball joints. Well, I can get this done and it's like half the cost that you quoted me. Mm-hmm. Well, by who and for what? <laughs> and so I'm having the, 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 and I'm sure you've seen it over the years where you have this cycle of new shops coming in the area, mm-hmm. right? They undercut everybody's price because the easiest way to get customers is to be the cheapest, right? And so you got to deal with this cycle and it's this constant problem of like, how there's no way to pull them away. And the only thing you can do is let them go, see what they're getting for that value, and then eventually come back in. But in the meantime, like we're, we're missing out on this job and we're not, and I know the vehicle's not being repaired correctly, you know, or, or, whatever whatever the issue is that they can cut the price in half at (laughs) so it's it's a tough situation to take and say how do you manage taking that client and turning that back around it's like they got the price now they took your price and they got it cut in half Mm -hmm. well if that's what you want then go go do that bingo yeah i mean that's the only way you can do it i'm not you know i'm not here for everybody not everybody is my customer Right. You can't walk into Walmart. Now you may find one online, but you're not going to walk into Walmart and buy a Patek Philippe out of their jewelry case. That watch, you're not going to do it because right. it's not sold there because they realize that's not their customer. You're not going to find you're not going to walk into your Walmart and buy yourself your Rolex. Out of the jewelry cut, they're not sold there. That's not their customer. It's okay, and part of the problem that that new techs have, especially new techs that have become new business older, owners, is the way, is that they run a fear based business, and they're so afraid of losing a sale because they they're undercapitalized that they'll cut their own throat in order to make the sale. Absolutely. Yep. And that's a problem. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm not here for everybody. I don't, that's not my thing. I, I wish you well. If, if price is your determining factor, then I want you to go where the price is going to meet what you want. That's okay by me. And if you don't come back, that's okay. Cause I haven't lost anything except a headache. You've heard of the 80-20% rule. 20% of your customers cause you 80% of your problems because they constantly moan about the price. They're going to get it done anywhere. You're too expensive. They had to wait three days for you to see them. Whatever it is, they're going to fetch about something, Yeah, right? They're always, I don't need it. My car runs fine. You know, I mean, sometimes you just have to tell people, you know, I have a recent example of a gentleman with a 2008 uh, Mercedes, my local suppliers, I can't get the components for his car. They don't carry them because they're going to be 16 years old. They're not fast movers. So he went online and he found uh, a company that has them. Okay. I'm not buying them from them. They're not my vendor. There are other problems that may exist. I understand it's a Bilstein shock. All right, maybe. It could be that it's counterfeit, but we'll assume that it's not. I'm not buying it from them. And if I have to buy it from the dealer, I'm marking the parts up. So the best thing that you can do is go to the dealer and get this repair done. 
because I want to get something done that's going to have recourse for me. And I didn't tell you to keep your 16-year-old Benz. I'm sorry these things happen to you. That's a good point, too, yeah. Right? I mean, I understand Mm -hmm. you're older, but I didn't design it, engineer it, manufacture it, or put a gun to your head to force you to buy this car. It's not my problem that it's costing you money. I'm not going to compromise my work and take unnecessary risks because you want to save money. I understand you want to save money. Not a problem. Everybody loves a deal. Go somewhere else. Yep. You know, that just reminded me of a video I was watching about a guy handing out gold bars. And so he's handing out gold bars and everyone, some people are taking it. Some people are like, I don't know what that is. And they're not taking it. And so towards the end of the video, he says, man, this is, it's almost better when they don't take it. And like the way you are, are selling your service needs to be kind of based that way. Whereas if they don't want the service I'm providing, that's almost better because I'm providing such a high level of service. I don't want to give it away to just anybody. And it was like, it really stuck with me. It was like the, the, the thought behind that video of, of, of you handing out gold bars and this is the, you know, the best thing. And some people just aren't taking it. Some people are. And it's like that thought of, Oh man, it's better if they don't. And I, when you're running the counter at the shop and you're making all these calls and sometimes you don't make the sell, it should be like, Oh good. I can provide my service to someone else who deserves it. Right. Yeah, I mean the fact I mean, is to, to your point of what you you know what you were saying. You, you don't want to get married to a car because you're trying, and every time it always seemed to me that I extended myself by you know, especially when you first start out and you work with a customer supplied part, or you go with a vendor you don't know. And any time you're trying to do something because you believe it's helpful and because you got bills staring you at the face of the end of the month, right? It mm-hmm. always bit me right in the ass. I mean, without fail. Yeah, it would it would always bite me in in, in the so, ass. So what you're saying what you're saying is it doesn't get better. No, it, it, <laughs> you know, and, it, and that's what I discovered is it doesn't matter the first year, the twenty fifth year, like right. We got I'm in this twenty five years. It doesn't get any better. You're going to try to to help somebody, and you're going to step away from your standardized procedure that you've based or company policy that you've based on experience because. It'll be fine. I'm I'm just going to make this exception once. It'll be fine. What's the chances that this is going to bite me in the ass? Well, if I'm the one that's doing it, I'm telling you it's about a hundred percent. It's going to, and I'm going to wind up marrying this this vehicle, and it's going to become an ever since you, ever since you changed the wiper blades on my car, my transmission slipping. What did you do? What did you do? You must have drained some fluid out when you did that. You, you know, you did. You could whatever. upsell me. <laughs> whatever it is that, and I'm not dealing with ever since use anymore. You know, I, I, I just don't, this is the way I run my business. If you like the way I run my business, I'm happy to establish a long-term relationship with you. If you don't like the way that I run my business, it's not a problem. I wish you the best in finding a service provider that better meets your needs. Thank you. Good day. GFO. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, that you know, I mean, that's that's a GTFO. That that's pretty much the way that I'm. I'm not. I'm too old. I don't have to put up with this stuff, and I don't. I know that the mistakes that I made, I don't repeat. You know, I mean, it's it's not. I, I'm sure there are shops that that put on customer supplied parts all day long, and they never have a problem. 
and they double charge for labor to make up for the lost revenue and win, 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 happy, 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 joy, joy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Not for me. That, that doesn't. Well, for, the, for the rest of us that has nothing but bad luck with it, then I don't know how they're getting away with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm in the boat with you every single time. Every single time has bitten me in the ass every damn time. Yep. It, it just never fails. I get the, like, whatever the horror story is, I've probably had it happen to me. And it's like, why am I, <laughs> it's the luck of the Irish, I guess. I don't know if it was not for bad luck and I have no luck at all. So yeah, but, no, yeah. it's, it's, it, you know, it, it doesn't. So I just made it company policy. I, I don't do these things anymore. And I don't blame anybody. I'm not angry with somebody because they want to get a better deal, right? I'm I'm not, I don't hate them because of that. I'm not going to get angry. Some guys get really wrapped around an axle because they get frustrated because they see the bills coming due. And this was a means to help pay some of them. And now it's walking out of the, out of their life. And there are going to be some coaches that are going to tell you, well, if it's 50 bucks, just do the work and don't worry about the $50. Yeah, you're sending a message because mm-hmm. if you're doing it and you say, "Look, I'm gonna," it's slow, so I'll, I'll do it for fifty bucks less. The next time they come in and they will, they want that fifty bucks again. Mm-hmm. They don't say, "Hey, listen, I see your parking lot's uh, busy now, so um, I'm going to need to repair, and I'm willing to pay you the full retail price for that." They don't care. You know, give take the, the name and address of everybody you've ever cut a deal to, right? And call them up and say, you know, it's been a slow month for me. I need you to send me some money so I can pay my mortgage and see how many of them cut you a check. Nobody cares. Right. They only care about what happens to them. They don't care, you know, oh, and it's worse with used car dealers or guys that own fleets. Oh yeah. Yep. Right. You know, you. It, cut seems, me a- it seems like a good idea to get them in when you first start out, though. Oh, right. they got plenty of cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they got plenty of cars. You know, they understand the business. They're they're in the car business. They understand the way things work. You know, except that you forgot to ask some real questions, like what's the goal of their business? How does the goal of their business coincide? the goal of yours. Right. Well, it doesn't, you know, fleet well, like work- you said, are you, are you willing to do a quality repair on these vehicles? Absolutely not. They, they want to invest the small amount of money as possible to resell the car for the most amount possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, when you look at fleet work, fleet work can be very, very, very lucrative. No question about it, but you have to discover the right fleet company to work with. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's great because a lot of the good companies, they understand that their trucks, their vans, their vehicles have to be on the road. So they, they don't care because they know how much money they're losing when that vehicle is not on the road. Those are the top tier fleets. Those are the ones you want. And those, But those are the fleets that also invest in building their own shop and hiring their own technicians. Some or, do. Or, or mechanics anyway to, to work on them. And th- that's the cream of the crop fleet account. And yeah, there's 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 a few that get to that point. They're not quite that big, but around here in California, that's that's it. I mean, all all the major fleet accounts that you would want, they already have a 
chop. I mean, they know, they know the value of it. <laughs> they understand. They understand if we spend a million dollars building this facility and hiring a technician and we're going to be here for the next 20 years, that's going to pay for itself tenfold. So, but I mean, yeah, to your point, it's very, a, a very slim margin of fleet accounts that are going to be worth your time. Because you know they want it now. <laughs> yeah, they want it now. Right now. And, then, and then oftentimes, and this is where shops get in a lot of trouble, is they'll be owed a lot of money. Yeah. You don't want to have any more than any one company have any more than 5% of your gross revenues owed to you. you. What you want is somebody pick up the vehicle, they pay for the vehicle. Company credit card, here it is, or you have the company credit card on file. When you wind up floating for them for 30 days, once they start getting in trouble, 30 days becomes 45, becomes 60. Right now, you're out a lot of money for parts and you've paid your technician, but you haven't gotten paid and you get strung out because your cash flow sucks. Right. On your paper, you're doing great on the P&L, but you look in your bank account, you got nothing because you're owed all this money. You got to be careful with some, because if anybody tells you I'm running fleets and I've never been burned by a fleet and I've been in business for 20, 25 years, I want them to go to church, light a candle on the way back home, stop in, buy two lottery tickets, one for me and one for them. Because that's that's the luckiest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know of anybody. And I've been doing this a while that hasn't been burned by a fleet, especially if that fleet is landscaping. Especially if it's landscaping, yep. You get clobbered. I don't care how many vehicles they have. You'll get clobbered on that, right? They pay you at the time. It's not a problem. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll start you with a fleet account. You have to get, we have to get paid at the time the service is rendered. If they, well, don't you want to, you know, give me, 30 day terms? No. Yeah, net 30? Nope. Nope. I don't want 30 day terms. And I'm not going to give you 2% net 30 either. Because I'm not going to, you know, if you're a small business, right? And you're a single, a sole proprietor, or you, you have your sole proprietor and you have a helper, even if you just formed your LLC, and you have five, 10, 15, $20,000 out on the street waiting to be collected. You're sweating come payday. Oh, you absolutely. Are. Yeah. You absolutely. It, it's not like 60 bucks, right? This, this <laughs> company o- owes you $5,000 or more. You're sweating this. You, you know, if, if you got a $30,000 month, right? And that's a good month for you, just you and right. a helper or just you. And somebody owes you $5,000. You sweating it, man. Yeah. Especially since the average pre-tax net, pre-tax net operating profit, depending on the source that you ask, the, on Department of Labor, varies between 5 and 7%. So you think about what that means. That's all your profit. Yeah, for three months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you know, this is – and other businesses will, will screw you in a minute. And oh, absolute yeah, yeah, minute yeah. because this is hey, this is how the game is played. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's just business. It's just, it's business. just business. No, no, not, it's, it's pretty damn personal right but, now. Cause, yeah, because that's how I feed my family. That's how I my personal house and my personal family. Yeah, you know. Well, right on, man. This has been good. A lot of insightful stuff. You're a very insightful individual. 
I don't know about any of that crap. I'm just old, so I've seen a lot, man. And and one is of that, the, is that my nice way of calling you old? Maybe. But you can call me old. I don't give a. You're shit. very experienced individual. So. Oh, there you go. There's that PC crap. I'm just old. All right. That's all there is to it. I I don't know what problem people have with age. It's like, oh no, he's, uh, you know, you can't call me old. Fuck it. I've earned it. Right? I mean, I've got to this point. By this point in my age, I've already. It's not my like he's calling you. It's not like he's calling you ugly. Which I am too, but that's okay. I can deal with that because I had nothing to do with it. I mean, well, you've had a lot of you've had a lot of time to accept that, right? Exactly, exactly right. Now I was handsome when I was younger, but when you get past a certain age, it doesn't make a difference because you're not trolling for broads anymore. So it doesn't. You <laughs> they know, all, they you, all look they all look the same. I don't know. I've been with the same woman for 32 years. Really, what the hell's yeah. the difference, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> what do you care what you look like? What do I care? I don't care what she looks like. You know, when I come home, do you have supper waiting for me? Really? What, what's the difference? Right. Yeah. And suppose you got this 25 year old. First of all, I can't look at her because I'm the dirty old man. I'm old enough to be a grandfather. And then what the hell I catch her? What am I going to talk to her about? There's nothing in common with this broad, right? I can't listen to the same music. I can't eat the same damn food. At nine o'clock, I turn into an effing pumpkin. She wants to go out and go hit the clubs. That crap is too loud. You guys, you guys could go to dinner and text each other at the table. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then when it comes at the end of the night, what the hell am I going to do? Forget it. It ain't yeah. happening. Not without a yeah, crane. You'll, you'll forget it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> it's, it's just some things that this is part of age. So that allows you a certain latitude and a certain amount of experience that you can say, you know, it just it it, it doesn't matter. I can. I'm older. Well, now, you, now you can yell at the kids to get off your lawn. Oh shit! I've been I'm doing looking. that for twenty years. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I've been looking forward to. I think I got about fifteen years left before I can do that. So I'm just counting the days. The, the whole thing is once you reach a certain point in your life, and it's it's different for anybody. Once you've re- you just don't give a crap anymore. I don't go out to dress and impress anybody. I don't give a shit if you like the car. I, I'm not here to impress you. I don't hate my guts. Great. Stand in line. Take a number. I take don't number. care. You know, I'm I'm just not. It doesn't matter to me anymore because unless you're somebody important in my life, you don't matter to me. anymore. <laughs> I mean, right. it's a, you know, right. I don't worry I about mean, getting. It'd, it'd be better place if, if more had that mentality, too. Yeah, what are you going to say? Something's going to hurt my feelings? Oh, no, no, boo, boo. You know, like, you know, no. What could possibly that you have not already seen or heard already? You're going to call me a name, make fun of my religion, knock yourself out. My height, my age, my weight, doesn't matter. Whatever you want to choose that you believe to be some sort of uh, vulnerable spot. I grew up in the Bronx. You think you're going to say anything that's going to hurt me? Uh, Yeah. What are you going to say to me, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't care about your sensitivities either. I really don't. The choice to be offended is a choice. It's entirely subjective. Yeah, I think that's a big big baby boomer thing, definitely. Yeah, I I just, you know, toughen up. Which is is not a bad thing. I mean, if we had all got rid of our filters every once in a while, I think we'd be all a little bit better off. I don't know. Instead of the PC stuff all the time. Like, tell me what you're really trying to tell me here. Let's just get to the point. Let's get get to the point. I don't know when it happened. I can't give you the year. I grew up with sticks and stones, may break my bones, but names will never harm me. Right. Right? That's the we grew up. Right? 
that that's the way somebody calls you a name or the, you know when you're a little kid you cry about it but when you learn the lessons all right we got adults that that freak the hell out right you know when when uh, get, yeah you always thought too as a kid like oh adults never get upset or or like yeah. and so as as i've grown into my adulthood and i realize there's people with children that are offended by things that people are saying like what yep. i thought you'd like I thought that doesn't happen. <laughs> I didn't think that was a thing. <laughs> oh, it's a thing, all right. And you watch the Google review monsters and the Yelp review monsters and the freaking the you know, you follow some of these guys on YouTube and on social media and like they got these following of people that are just constantly saying negative things like, What are you trying to prove right now? You have that well, much time on your hand to to troll these people and put these negative reviews and negative comments on their videos and all their videos are trying to do is help somebody else. What in the hell is wrong with you? Well, what's Go real- get a job. <laughs> While that's certainly true, what's also wrong is a system that rewards the negative reviews because that's considered engagement. And that engagement drives the ratings that allow people to make money, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's they want that sort of feedback, they want that negativity because people participate and part- participation is what drive the numbers or what drives controversy it. sells. Yeah. Controversy sells. Yep. Yep. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I think I think we're all wrapped up. This okay. was good. I think we hit everything or nothing or I'm not sure where we went or where we've been, but I, think I got, I got no idea. You know, I was, I was just, I, I wrote this thing up about DVI and I got, you know, I went through the numbers on it and, you know, cause that was something that I was always kind of uh, concerned with it. Cause people that, that believe there's a Southern expression that says that ain't what you say, it's how you say it. Right. Right. Okay. I think DVI can be a great tool, but I hate the way it's marketed because it's marketed as a sales tool and it's marketed as a sales tool to the shop owner, increase your sales. Right. Right. And and then the shop owner takes it and he is trained to, to turn to the end user as a way to protect their investment. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. The reason that you're, you're pushing the DVI, the reason you're using DVI is because you're getting something out of it, right? It's completely self-serving. You're using DVI, which helps to promote the service. Great. And the customer can benefit from that. Can, doesn't necessarily mean that they are, but they can benefit from that. So this is not an altruistic endeavor that you're doing in order to help people maintain their vehicles and stay safe on the road. You're doing it because you're getting something out of it. Right, yeah. Yep. Right. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it, I mean, it, it's definitely nice to cloak it with the nice happy feels. I hate right? that shit. I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I friggin' hate it because it, everybody it's talks true, about though, it, 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 you're chill, you, in a sense, killing two birds with one stone. You're, you are guaranteed to increase your sales. Everybody talks about it. Everybody says it. And then also as, as the owner and you're providing the service now to your client, look, I'm not lying to you, Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Jones. You can see the pictures. Like you said, it's, it's you know, it's, it's cloak and mirrors. Like it, it could be anything that you want it to be if you, if you were that, you know, if, if you're going to be that kind of person. But it's like when you're looking at these systems, like, oh, it's, it's an extra 50 bucks a month. That just makes sense. But 
realistically, it's about profit, right? I mean, that's how I looked at it. I definitely cloaked it in a little bit of like, wow, that's a really nice service to provide. But ultimately, I can also make a lot more money. And it's like, sorry, (laughs) but I'm not sorry about it. Like, it's it's difficult because it's like I want to make sure we're doing the right thing, but also, man, if we can, you know, get these guys on board, and then I can also monitor the technicians. So now I know that they're taking a picture of the outside of the vehicle. Also, know if there's any damage to the vehicle when it left. Because mm-hmm. so it's like all these pluses that go along with it. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's this is going to be something that provides a service that will get us an easier sell and be able to get more parts replaced because sometimes if you say hey your tie rod's bad nobody knows what the hell that means yeah. hey your wheel bearing's got you know some play in it uh so do i need to replace it and you're as a technician turn shop owner it's kind of like well if it was mine you probably got another six months or a year on it right <laughs> like you could probably ride that a little longer but you show them the video the wheel moving around like oh i don't want that on my car at all like okay let's fix it <laughs> see now i got the the issue for me is in transparency because that's what the one of the watchwords is now transparent we're completely transparent which is a yeah. bunch of shit right yeah. because for me when so we're going to send you the DVI which is going to show you the um those areas of concern that you're going to have your view and it's no different than we send pictures via email this is uh, pictures or, or uh, small movies right uh, mpegs with with this stuff and if somebody asks me why, I give them all of it. I want you, well, 65% of uh, people learned are visual learners. Uh, basically, neuroscience has determined that there are three types of people that learn. And 65% of the, of the public learn through visual. Um, then there's auditory, right? People hear what you're saying like in lecture. And then there's, uh, they learn through doing. It's called kinetics. Kinesthetics, and they because once they pick up and they do it themselves, they see how it works. They get their hands on it. Now it makes sense to them. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh huh, okay, I got it. Right, all right. So you're appealing to that, and tell you here's a. I sent this to you because I want you to understand what's going on with your vehicle, and I'm also going to be quite candid with you. The fact that I'm sending this to you, right. It increases the likelihood that once you see it, you're going to want to get this done. And that's good for you and it's good for me because I'm in business to make a profit. Now, find out how many friends that you know that are an auto shop owner who would actually have that conversation with their customer and admit that that's what's happening. Yeah, hold your breath. Ah! ain't going to happen. They're going to advertise the fact that, that it's it helps protect their investment and it does this and it does this, but they're never going to say, and the truth is that I'm in business to make a profit. And doing this is going to provide a valuable service for you and I'm going to be able to feed my family. Right. I feel like more of the conversations I've had lately have been in that direction. Profit's not a bad word. No. And like the lady with the, you know, with a ball joint issue, it's like, look, I'm going to be more because I pay my techs more. Yep. I can guarantee you my techs here at the shop are paid more than anybody else in the area because I want them to go home and take care of their kids and their wife and pay their mortgage. And I feel like you get more respect that way. Yeah. Just like you said, Hey, this is, this is a great tool, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to give you, uh, give myself more leverage to make more profit. 
I don't know if that's a bad thing. Obviously, it's that fine line we talked about in the beginning as far as like, <laughs> like how, when do you go past that 60K service and you're just wanting to recommend everything versus getting that vehicle back to safety, right? Back to being safe and reliable and not upselling, right? The, 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 the poison word of upselling anything. But we've always done it as far as like priority and then, and then maintenance. Like this is the stuff you need now. And this is the stuff you do later. Because I wanted to bring this point up too earlier was if you don't recommend it, the next shop's going to recommend it. Yep. And that's kind of part of the problem, but you got to at least recommend it. In my opinion, I got to at least say, hey, look, these are the things that the manufacturer is recommending at this time. Do you need it? No, but it's recommended. So... Let's put it on a service service sheet and see if you want to, you know, in six months, you want to come back and have it serviced. This is what the manufacturer is recommending. I just need to tell you that. So when you go to wherever, <laughs> whatever lube oil service and they recommend it, hey, how come, how come Jimmy didn't recommend this stuff? You know, it's, it's just, there's that fine line of going to the next place and missing that opportunity and then also upselling stuff that they don't need. It's such a fine line. Well, the thing is that you got to remember that a lot of the recommended services are now required services. So, um, if, yeah, if, yeah, if you're ones, yeah. if you're leasing a vehicle, you have uh, specific required services in order to keep the to meet the criteria for the lease, right? You can't if it says you're going to have your oil changed every ten thousand miles, you have to be able to show they have every right the manufacturer when you or the dealership when you turn that lease back in to say, let me see your maintenance records. I mean, that's, they can do that. That's, that's, that's within their purview to do it. Now, when you pre-interview the people like we do, and you say, what, tell me what this vehicle means to you, then you can tailor, yes, the the manufacturer specifies this at 60,000 miles. And that is in a complete alignment with what it is that you need, right? Because your stated goal was that you want to keep this vehicle till the wheels come off. Well, if you want to do that, the best odds of being able to do that is to comply with the manufacturer's recommendations or specifications because they've spent millions of dollars in research and development in order to provide you with a good customer service. Right. Having a good experience. Yeah. But I, like, I think I like I'm, 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 I've gone too long for your time. I apologize. That's all right. It's all good stuff. I feel like we could do this for a while, but <laughs> Edit the I know it's crap getting late over there. So we'll let you. Yeah, I'm getting a little going. lightheaded because, you know, old guys haven't eaten. I I, I missed early bird hey, your special. Blood, your blood sugar's probably getting your low. Your blood sugar's sorry. going off. You know, I'm going to have to get up and get another Depends in a minute because it's been 30 minutes since I peed, you know, that kind of stuff. Make sure that my paladent hasn't failed me as I talk, you know. You got them all. I've oh, you got no idea, son. I got socks at home older than you. What the hell's the matter with you? Oh, this is awesome. I do. I really appreciate you coming on with me, though. This no worries. No I, worries. I've, I've learned something myself, and I hope anyone else listening has also learned more than one thing. <laughs> yeah, more than, well, listen, if, if you can listen to us talk and take something away that helps benefit your business, we're doing great. Just one thing. Just one, just, you know, just for, one thing. Just one thing. We'll copy that ad line. Just one thing. Fuck it. We'll go with two things because we're better. We're just two things. If you can learn just two things, right? That make your your business better. You're, you're better off than the other place. It just says just one thing. You're twice as good as they are. Son twice of a bitch, good. Go, go get them. Damn, you know? damn. <laughs> you know. All right, you be good. Have a good weekend. It's good talking to you, Dutch.